Hey everybody, uh, welcome back. I'm Nathan Lersh, the pastor at Illumin in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And I'm Josh Schultz, pastor at Mountain View Lutheran in Great Falls, Montana. And welcome back. Uh, we're happy to um, have this conversation. Hopefully you're enjoying listening in um, so you can get a little piece of God's word um, to chew on sometime here during the middle of the week. And this week we're looking back at uh, what we looked at on Sunday, John 10, verses 1 through 10. And um, if you'd like to follow along, you can open up a Bible. Otherwise, here are the 10 verses. Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's God's word. Josh, where do you want to go first? Well, I think really when I look at this, this is, uh, I mean, one of the most famous chapters of of the Bible, I mean, with this good shepherd. But we see two big statements in here when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And he's going to say that next in, in verse 11. Uh, but the I am the good shepherd really isn't the focus right away in these verses. It's really, I am the gate. And Jesus you know, this is one of seven, seven I am statements in John. And uh, if you go back to the Old Testament, if you remember when we got that first big I am statement in the Bible, that's when Moses was at the burning bush. And he was there, interestingly enough, as a shepherd for his father-in-law's flock. And he goes to the burning bush and God is sending him to Egypt and he's, asking well when i go to egypt who do i who do i tell them sent me and god says i am you know, tell them i am sent you i am who i am and when god says that that really is um what we call the tetragrammaton or we get sometimes we translate it in english as yahweh this is the name of the lord like if you have your bible mm -hmm. in the old testament it's uh you know when you see lord l-o-r-d in all capital letters that's saying that in the hebrew that's that's that distinct name of god and it distinguishes god from all other gods uh, because I am, what does that mean? Well, it means I am. It's not like I was or I will be I am. God is eternal. There's no beginning and end. And then when he says I am, he's saying like there are no other gods. It's just me. I am. And so God is distinct and alone. And so it's really interesting as God himself, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, he says all these I am statements like I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, I am the vine. Uh, here he says, I am the gate. And what he's saying is, it's just me. Like anytime you see Jesus saying, I am, he's saying, I'm the only one, right? 
I'm the only bread of life. I'm the only gate. I'm the only good shepherd. I'm the only vine. I'm the only resurrection. Um, and so every time you see that, that should like really, uh, put the flashing lights on that. Hey, this is a really important state statement of Jesus. Every time he says, I am. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, to us, that sounds beautiful that Jesus is the only gate in this case. Um, we both know that that's not something that, uh, that everyone likes to hear because, um, that means that there's no other way. There's no other, there's no other savior. There's no other correct worldview. Maybe it would be a more, a less like spiritual way of saying it. Um, yeah. And when we, I mean, this really, goes to the question, you know, goes to the question that many non-Christians have when they say, well, wait a minute, it can't just be Christianity because all religions, all faiths, all spiritual beliefs, you know, all these roads lead to the same place, right? They lead to the same heaven. They lead to the same God because if there is a God out there, they say, well, then that God is going to be loving and accepting to whatever someone's belief is. And really, when you get into it, it's really, you know, in our society and just like the ideologies throughout the ages. Um, when you talk about postmodernism to say, like, you know, it's that question of pilot of what is truth, like who can actually like nail down the truth. And when Jesus says, I am the gate, meaning unless you have faith in me, unless you go through me. You're not getting in. You're not getting into heaven. You're not getting into my kingdom. Um, you're not getting into my my flock. Uh, it is exclusive, isn't it? That this is this is the only way. And it's understandable when you talk about postmodernism when people um, when it rubs people the wrong way. But at the same time, when you look at it as a Christian, I'm thinking, well, I am. <laughs> how awesome is it that Jesus doesn't run me through a maze, right? He doesn't. He doesn't run me on a scavenger hunt where I gotta, I gotta find the way and I gotta figure it out. No, he just stands right in front of my face here in scripture and says, me, I am the gate. You know, you're going through me and it's just like, well, doesn't get any more simple than that. And that's a blessing for us as Christians. Yeah, completely. There's no quest that I have to go and complete. Right. It's, but even though we, Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying the, like, people from outside of Christianity, they look at it being like, man, that is restrictive, right? I don't want that. Like, you can't restrict me to just one Savior, one God. And I look at it as a Christian, I'm like, wait a minute, this is unbelievably free. Like, I am free. I am free from that quest. I am free from that search. I have found the gate. He's standing right in front of me, and I'm going to heaven through him, the gate. Like, that's... And yeah. when you simplify it like that, you know, it's, yeah, for me, it's just freeing that I am so happy I don't have a question about this. I'm, 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 I'm never wondering, you know, because by yeah. faith, he gives us that confidence to be like, we've got it. We've got the gate. Everything's going to be just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember exactly where I heard this the first time, but someone, someone defined freedom as, living the way that God designed you to live. Mm -hmm. And you could say in a, in a eternal life perspective and how 
like a faith perspective, well, he designed you to live believing only in Jesus as your savior and as your Lord, not in you know other gods or other worldviews. And the example that I've heard connected to it is a, like a, a, a goldfish and the goldfish living in a bowl, incredibly restrictive. Say that goldfish. And well, actually I had a fish in college, uh, a betta fish. We came in the room one day and uh, it was lying, lying on the desk, dead because it jumped out of the bowl. And it was a bummer because that fish had been alive for quite a while, actually, which was surprising. Uh, but if a fish wants to live outside its bowl because it wants to be free, well, okay, it's not going to work out too well. And um, I, you know, we're both smiling right now because we're remembering college and fish in the dorm room. No, so yeah. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but I let you finish this. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it, but it's a serious, it's a serious thing. Uh, because everyone who wants, who thinks that their life is going to be best and most free outside of Jesus, it ends in death. Mm-hmm. And that's incredibly serious. What were you going to say? Oh, well, just to your point of like, when Jesus says to have life and have it to the full, mm. like you have it within the sheep pen, right? Yeah. yeah. Like you have life, you stay alive, you know, and yeah, I don't know, just that it's, it's so simple, but it's just profound when you, when you look at it, be like, I truly am alive in Christ because he's made me yeah. limbs and I'm going to be, I'm going to be just fine because he's my shepherd and he promises to protect me. And that's why he tells me to listen to his voice, to enter through the gate and to stay in the sheep pen because you know, to stay alive. Like he just says it, he, again, he just says it not to restrict you, not to be a burden to you, but to give you life and to give you that freedom that only he can give. Yeah. And the life to the full, it's, um, that's not even something that we go and attain through our Christian life here in this earth, like life to the full or another translation is like life abundantly have, have life abundantly. Like that's nothing that we don't already have because mm-hmm. we have a full life is one that is found in Jesus where Jesus is at the the center of everything. Like a life lived, like, I mean, like which verse is it? Um, they follow him. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. Um, like that is a full life. I and mean, if we examine if each of us examine the, the times of day or the days of the week where, where we're not following Jesus, um, I, you could just define that as sin. But mm-hmm. it's not. It's not. It's not a full life. We we might think like there's a voice calling out to us saying, "Here's what you really need. Here's here's the way you should live. This is what is going to make you happy now, or this is what is going to fulfill your life." But mm-hmm. those are the voices of the yeah, thieves and robbers, as Jesus would say not the shepherd. The reason why yeah. I, I, not, you asked before, the reason why I was laughing because you talked about, <laughs> you talked about having a fish in college. Remember mm-hmm. that, remember that stretch? I think it was our freshman or sophomore year. It was in Concord in that dorm there. And it was just like, there was not much to do in New Orleans, Minnesota in the middle of winter. So guys just like started to see, what different types of pets they could sneak into their dorm room 
And there was a, I think there was one room that had like nine or, that like nine or ten chickens. Do you remember that? I would say I'm sitting the fist, but I honestly don't remember. I'm not saying it was you. It was not me. We just had a fish. Oh man! I'm just like you walk in. It's like you have a whole chicken coop in here. What are you doing? Anyways, I. Well, I'm glad that you fondly remember that. I honestly have no <laughs> recollection, and I wish I wish that I did, and I won't ask right now who it was. I, I, I don't think it lasted very long, too. I don't think <laughs> it, it got pretty loud. Um, circling back, so I can't remember exactly what you said, but it reminded me of, so last Friday, I participated in a, in a local event here, um, and the goal of it, it, it was at a store in town called The Mercantile, and um, the goal was to bring people together of incredibly different worldviews and beliefs and political leanings and all the, all, all the things, to bring very different people together and show that we can still talk and have conversation and be kind to each other and respectful of each other. And in that regard, the event was a super success. Um, I, I, said, I said here on Sunday, I doubt, unless there was another event of this kind, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you take any group of eight people together in the whole United States last Friday night. And let's, yeah, any group of eight people did not have more differing views on every issue across the board than this group of eight people. Um, and we got into, we got into some heavy stuff um, and all different, all different spiritual views. And one thing I said here on Sunday is, but it wasn't just for the seven other people. It was for me too. There's so many voices um, that are calling out and the voices sound really good. Like this is the, this is the view you should have about sexuality. This is how you should act that out. This is how you should um, think about an authority figure in your life. Or are you your own authority? Um, and that might be at the root of it. Like Jesus never says you're in charge. He always says, actually, deny yourself. He never says, be yourself or be true to yourself. He says, deny yourself, be true to me, which is, I think, the root of all sin in the world, maybe you could say. But, um, yeah, we got into some heavy stuff. And one lady, uh, just atheist, never, like she said she didn't, she, she was 40 or so maybe, I don't know. She said she legitimately had no idea if either of her parents believed in God or not because it was just never a thing that they cared about or talked about. Um, but some of us, cause they asked me about various things about sexuality. Cause I was the, the pastor. Um, so they all wanted to know, well, what do you teach? What do you teach at your church? Um, and she just said, why is this even an issue? Like who cares about sexuality? And, um, this is going back to, to God's and Jesus saying, I am. Well, what I told her was, well, if you believe that a God created the universe, he created you, if you believe that not only did he create everything, but he loves you, if you believe that he wants you with him so much that he sent his son to die so that you could be with him for all eternal life, and if you believe that he says things about sexuality in the book that he's given you, well, that's why it matters. Mm -hmm. But she didn't, she didn't have any of that because she didn't believe that Jesus mm -hmm. is the gate or anything. Um, she didn't believe, you know, when God said to Moses, I am who I am. She didn't have that belief in God. So why would she care about 
anything, um, let alone intricacies about what God says about sexualities. Um, and I said, if a lot of times, obviously I do believe all those things and, and we believe all those things, which is why it matters because it's God. It's not just some advice guru or some wise person. It's God, the that's God. A, that's a tough, that's a tough question to, of, of when you talk about like how to answer it, you know, in that moment, you know, I just, the first thing I think of is people, people don't want naturally, right? We don't want anybody to dictate our relationships here on earth of, you know, to restrict me from, from loving, you know, this person or that person or, or how I show that love or when you talk about my, my sexual orientation, um, it is because they want that freedom. And I understand that logically and especially from an American point of view of freedom. Uh, but yeah, as we focus on the relationship we have with others, be like, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. What's my relationship with God? And I think when you talk about that, like if you believe this, if you believe that, those are all things referring to your relationship with God, how you understand God and how God views and created and understands you. And to say, like, once I continue to work on and growing in my knowledge and my my faith in my relationship with God, well, then that is going to dictate in a good way when he promises to have life to the full of my relationships with people here on this earth, including when you talk about. um, Yeah. So I don't know. I just that's the first thing I think of. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned our relationship with God. Let me ask you. Are you are you proud to be God's sheep? Oh, that's a good question. Because when I think I know where you're getting at, going at with this, it's like, you know, who wants to be called a sheep, right? I think I would I'd much rather be a cheetah. Uh, yeah. And so would my daughter. I, I have. Oh, uh, Reese has a. I got a Reese. Both of our daughters have called cheetah. You know, pants and shirts. Anyways, it's cute. Um, but anyways, she. But I, I, and I've heard that too uh, with all this COVID stuff, especially when you talk about the mask, mask mandates oh, and restrictions. It'd be like sure. I've heard that from some people as we talk through and we talk about Christian love, you know, and how do we navigate through this? Uh, somebody, you know, somebody said, "Well, I'm not a sheep. You know, I'm not going to mm. be a sheep. I'm not just going to follow. You know, it's like that's that's in our heart of hearts. I'm not a sheep. I don't want to just be a follower. Like I'm gonna." I want to be a trailblazer and go my own way. But everyone is a sheep. Like, no matter who you, you might not be a sheep of Jesus. You might not be a believer, but you're a sheep in some way. You are following something. You're following some voice, some ideology, some societal norms, some truth, some teaching, some um, theology about God, some theology about life. Like you're following something and someone and nobody can deny that. Right. Yeah. And even if, even if you're, you're what you're following is that you say you're not following anyone. Well, like that's live. You, you're still following something, even if that thing is yourself mm-hmm. um, and your way of thinking. Um, everyone believes something. 
everyone, everyone answers the big life questions in some way, even if it's to deny that they even exist, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and the point Jesus is making is like, I want you to think about who you're listening to, who you're following, because we're all sheep, who you're following, what you're listening to, what you believe, and compare that with Jesus. Compare that with the good shepherd and what he offers and what he's done for you. And to put those two side by side and like again and again and again, Jesus always comes out on top as being the better option. And yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, look at his goal. I mean, just read through the, read through the, you know, this whole chapter, but read the rest of John 10. What does Jesus want to do for you? What does he do for you? He's the gate, meaning like he's the one who, that's how you get in, right? That's how you get into heaven. You know, he come to come in and go out and find pasture. There's, I mean, for a sheep, there's nothing better than being nourished, well-fed, uh, to get water, to um, get rest in that pasture. And that's what Jesus gives. He talks about laying down his life and protecting his flock. Um, so, like, when you look at it, it, his goal is never to hurt or harm or restrict. His goal is always to give you something better. And that better being a full life, not only here, but in eternity. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, we could, I mean, we could probably just talk forever about restrictions being better for you than just total complete freedom. I maybe overuse examples with my kids, but like we, my daughter's, four years old loves riding her bike and asks like we live on a pretty quiet street so she can go on the road like if it were a busier street we would restrict her because it's not best for her to ride her bike two blocks away where it's a super busy road that would be incredibly harmful for her um in the moment and in the future because she would get hurt and it's the same thing with all the quote-unquote restrictions that god has set up for us namely his law um, and the way that he designed us to live um, I want to backtrack a little quickly, real quick. I know we don't have much time left, but, um, to what you said about who are you listening to and then compare it with Jesus, just go back and who are you actually listening to? And maybe this is something I think I'm going to actually, after we, after we finish up here, I'm going to write down, I'm going to write out who I all listen to. Like, and by that, I mean, like, what do you read? What videos do you watch? What podcasts do you listen to? Who do you read in the newspaper? What parts of the news do you especially go to? Um, what are the topics that interest you the most? Um, like, where, what are you taking in? Who, who are the people in your life that you're listening to? What are the voices? Um, and just to identify all of them and just see a list of, wow, I'm listening to all these other voices. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Maybe they're all good, but just to recognize that's a lot of voices and, Jesus' voice is better, stronger, more loving than all of those. Um, but it could be a good exercise for people just to look at who you're listening to and list it all out. Well, we could go on, but we're out of time. Yeah. So how about, uh, can you, can you close yeah. this out with prayer? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Uh, dear Lord, thank you again for uh, bringing Nate and I and all those who are uh, listening with us together again as we uh, find pasture and you, our good shepherd, who uh, takes us out and you nourish us with your word. You give us 
um, that spiritual food as the bread of life. You give us rest and comfort. Uh, you take us to streams of living water and you grow us in our faith and you grow us closer to you uh, in that faith. Uh, may we continue to listen to you above all the other strangers voice that call out to us in this world. Uh, give us the um, discernment to distinguish your voice from theirs as we continue to hear your word and follow it and that you would continue to lead us through you the gate uh, now and each and every day all the way until we get to heaven. Uh, we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.